Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Welcome to church. Hope you guys are excited to be here. I'm excited to be here. If you're, if you're new here, if this is your first time, then let me really walk you through this. My name is Nathan Bedford. I am not the senior pastor. I am not anywhere near the senior pastor's level. I am just a guest this one week, so lucky you. Our senior pastor, Pastor Darian, is, is out of town. He, he coaches some churches, and he's coaching one, I believe, in Ohio this weekend. So, so I'm here so he can go and, and bless other churches and, and help them grow like he's helping us grow in our community. And so this week is, is part three, week three of our Spice It Up series, our marriage series, our relationship series, and clearly, by the looks of me, I have a lot that I know about marriage, so that's why I got asked to be here. <laughs> I have a lot of experience. And so what, we're, what I'm going to be talking about today is a few things I've learned during my first 11 months of marriage. Okay, 11 months. Not quite 12. Just 11. But one thing I've learned about marriage in this, in this first little bit is that my wife is always there. Like, she's always there, right? Like, I wake up in the morning, and I've heard her alarm go off earlier because she's going to start getting up earlier now, and she's there next to me because she didn't get up earlier. And then I get home from work, and she's there. I get to Saturday, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm going to sleep in. It's going to be nice. And I do sleep in, but when I wake up, she's there, awake, and she has been for like three hours because she can't sleep in, but she's letting me sleep. And now, thanks to Steve Jobs, rest in peace, we now always have our spouse in our pockets. They're always there. And so being in such close proximity with someone can get a little hairy. There can, there can be some, some situations that come up, and so when we're always around someone, we're always interacting with someone, we need to know how to interact with them. We need to know how to be nice. We need to know how to love them, even when we kind of don't want to love them. Right? We need to know how to do things we didn't normally would want to do, but now we're in this relationship all the time, so we got to do something. And so today, I, I'm going to share with you six things from this first 11 months and yeah, I believe in God that he's gonna do something good. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this place. God, we thank you that you've given us this, this church-like family that we can come, we can, we can gather, we can draw closer to you. Lord, use my words, God. Don't let them be what, what I have to say. Let them be what you have to say today, God. Speak to each and every one of us in the room in the way that we need to be spoken to today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, before I get going, I just want to thank you all for being here. I know the Cowboys kick off at noon today, which was seven minutes ago. And um, believe it or not, what's going to be said in here by me, again, believe it or not, is going to be better than the Super Bowl the Cowboys again don't win this year. So you're in a better place than the people that, that skipped. And if you're on Facebook, like watching this, I think this is the one they do, and you're like watching this, and the game's on like mute because you're, you're not paying attention to me, just get the podcast later and ask God for forgiveness. 
So, if you're married, or if you're planning on being married one day, it's, it's not just a, a covenant with, with you and your spouse. It's a covenant that you guys then make together with God. Because he designed marriage. And the scripture that, that they've kind of based this series off of, based created to help off of, is found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place of flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, I didn't really need that last verse. That kind of was just like tacked on the end because I wanted to say naked. And so I did, and now we can keep going. And so as we see from the scripture, marriage is not just a you and her thing or a you and him thing. There's a third piece. It's the most important piece, and that's God. So let's keep that in mind as, as, we, as we move on and, and we start talking about what I've learned and what, what I think we can all, all learn from. Now, the first thing I've learned is to pick up your stuff. Now, <laughs> I didn't promise they would all be super spiritual. I wasn't told that they needed to be super spiritual, so Pastor Darian can get on to me afterwards if they were. Now, saying I've, I've learned to pick up my stuff, maybe I might be stretching it a little bit. I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. If you... If you ask my, my lovely mother, who I, I lived with for approximately 25 years before the last 11 months, she might say, I wish you could have learned it at any point in that. Like, why, why was it just these 11 months that you've decided to start doing this? Why couldn't you have done it? You had lots of 11-month periods of time in that 25 years, and you never learned how to pick up your things. Sometimes it, takes, it just takes the right person to awaken your desire to pick up your stuff. And you might be like, wow, wow, really? Like, I skipped the Cowboys game to hear this guy telling me to pick up my stuff? Like, what is this? But I, I promise there's scriptures. And you're like, what? There's scriptures about picking up your stuff? You should read your Bible more. <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, you could argue semantics with me whether he was talking about picking up your shoes or picking up the coffee grounds that are all over the counter because you were in a hurry that morning and you just had to get to work. Someone will clean it up. But if the Bible tells us to work at everything we do as if we're working for the Lord, shouldn't we do what the Bible says, maybe? Maybe let's try that out. Because if, if we think we're too good to pick up our shoes or to put our dishes in the sink or to rinse them off. If we think we're too good for that, what are we implying about our spouse who we're expecting to do those things for us? Let's keep going. So we should pick up our stuff because we want to, right? I want to pick up my shoes because I know it makes my wife happy to have things where they go for some reason. I want to pick up 
some of my dirty clothes, not all of them, some of my dirty clothes, because even one more piece of something that's not left out, that's not out of place, helps her feel more peace when she's at home. Amen. And see, I want to do these things because I want my wife, I want my best friend, the person that I've, I've chosen to spend forever with, to enjoy the forever that she also chose to spend with me. Now, the second thing I've learned is to do stuff that they like to do. Now, Pastor Darian mentioned this last week as, as one of his, the four basic needs of men, but I, I believe that it, it doesn't just apply to men and it's, it, it's almost as important to women, if not more, because we like to do things together. You should hopefully like to do things together because you kind of agreed to do your whole life together. Okay, but... Mariah is very good at this. She's very good at doing things that I enjoy doing. Most of the things I enjoy doing revolve around basketball. It's like basketball games, it's basketball highlight shows, it's basketball articles, it's basketball highlight videos on Instagram, basketball highlight videos on Twitter, um, just pictures of basketball players sometimes <laughs> that I show her and say, look how handsome this man is, or Look at this new tattoo this guy got. It's a lot of basketball. And then the occasional, you know, maybe action movie or a stand-up comedian, all of which things that she just loves. She just loves all of it, and that's why she watches those things with me. That's why she looks at the picture of that man from Spain with the beard, and he's so handsome. My word. <laughs> and, she, and she looks at it, and she tells me every time, he's not that handsome. He is. <laughs> but see, she knows, she knows who that man is. His name is Ricky Rubio, and I could have made that up. You don't know. She knows. She knows the man by the name of Nikola Jokic. And you're like, wow, you could have just literally said syllables, and I'm not sure that that was a real person. And he is, and he's from Serbia, and she has seen him play basketball on our television multiple times. <laughs> and why does she do this? She does it because she knows that I need quality time, that I need time spent together, I need shared experiences, and that helps me feel closer to her, that helps me feel loved, that helps me feel special, and that's why she does it. Also because I'm selfish, but <laughs> she does it to show that she cares about me. And I, I try to repay her, and since that's what I am, like, oh, I like when she watches basketball games with me, she probably wants me to watch things with her, and that's not the case. She doesn't really care if I watch, like, she, she watches, I don't, I don't mean to embarrass her, but she watches things on a website called youtube.com. And there are people on there, they do all kinds of things. There's instructional videos, how-tos, basketball videos. And, um, but she watches things like makeup videos, people, people reviewing products. We watched a grocery haul for somebody that makes the Rouge family look like a very small clan. And... <laughs> They, they did a grocery haul and it, I was sweaty when we were done watching the video and I was just sitting on the couch. And there's a, there's a lovely couple named Aspen and Parker. They live in Utah. And I'm not sure what they do other than make these videos. Um, I don't know, like, I, I really don't know. I just know they're about my age. They're probably a little younger. They have a large house that is designed very well and they make a lot of money because we watch their videos. And so, 
And we watched them. I, I knew they were, they were having a baby. I watched their birth video on YouTube. And you're like, wow, that's disgusting. And you're kind of right. But it was YouTube, so there was like, they couldn't show too much, you know? Like, they have, they have regulations on YouTube. And so it wasn't as bad as those TLC shows that children used to be able to, like, flip around to and find after school when they got home. And they're like, Mom gets home in an hour. Let's see what's on TV. What's that? And so it wasn't that bad. But since she doesn't, doesn't necessarily enjoy what I like, I had to find out other ways to do things that she enjoys. It's not watching things like I, like when she watches things that I do. It's finding some place for a cool picture whenever she dresses nice. And then I take like a million pictures and I think they all look pretty good because I would post to any of them on my social media because she's beautiful. And she says, nope, 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 those are all awful. Those are all terrible. And I was like, you didn't even look at all of them. There was a thousand. And then we keep going and we find another one. And we find, well, you scroll through my phone pictures, it's just like large blocks that look like it's the same picture that I have like a hundred times. And it's not, they're all slightly different. She moves like slightly different. And <laughs> none of them are good enough. But see, we have to go where our spouse wants us to be with them. It's gonna look different for all of us. Both of the things I said, you might be like, that sounds awful, and I don't want to interact with those people. That's fair. I probably hate the thing you enjoy spending time doing. But why else should we do things that our spouse enjoys? Not just because I'm telling you to do it, because I mean nothing to you. We should do this because this is what Jesus did all throughout Scripture. He met people where they were. He still meets people where we are. See, in John 2, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And the story concludes with Jesus performing his first miracle, which was turning all of these huge jars of water into the best wine that this wedding had had the whole time. In John 21, we find Jesus again. This is after, after he's completed his mission. He's come, he's sacrificed his life, he's risen from the dead, he's beaten death. And here we pick up in John 21. It says, after Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, and some other names, and a bunch of people, all these disciples were together. Verse three says, I'm going out to fish. And Simon Peter told them and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing because they were very bad fishermen that recorded it all. Like, why would, that's how you could trust the Bible. Like if they were gonna lie, wouldn't they say like they caught some fish every once in a while? Okay, sorry. <laughs> Moving along, verse four, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And I imagine he like laughed because he knew that because they're terrible fishermen. 
And he said, throw your net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore, and it was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this is just two examples of Jesus doing what we're talking about, of doing what other people wanted to do. He was spending time where they needed him to spend time with them. He was at a wedding, let alone a wedding with his mom, okay? He's the son of God. He's at a wedding with his mom. And she comes and she's like, hey, Jesus, I need you to do this thing. They need wine. And he says, woman, it's not my time. That's the the only thing I won't encourage maybe that Jesus did that maybe we should not do, especially as men, is to say, woman, (laughs) fill in the blank. Just skip that. Maybe just don't do that one. And then, like I said, after he's, he's beat death, he's risen from the dead, he could, be, he could be running through the streets, yelling at the Pharisees, look at me, I told you I was gonna do it, I did it, you guys are idiots. He could have been doing all of that. But instead, in the middle of the night when these men are fishing, fishing, he's there, he helps them. And then when they come back into shore, he makes them breakfast. He cooks for them because he knew they were tired. So see, I'm I'm not telling you anything revolutionary here. This is all pretty simple stuff that is right in front of us. The third thing I've learned is that you don't have to fix everything. In fact, we probably shouldn't try to fix everything. See, I have a bad habit, I had, it's, it's a lot better. This one's actually a lot better. Maybe not the picking up stuff, but this one's better. Of trying to fix everything when something's wrong with my wife. She might perchance be tired or hungry or hot or then immediately cold afterwards. She might be, it's a lot of things and there's a lot of feelings. And especially early on, I would be like, oh, you're hungry. Do you want me to do something? She'd be like, I don't know. Oh, do you want me to make you something? Oh, do you want me to get you this? We have this, we have this, I have snacks, I have snacks in my bag, we, got, we, can, we can hurry home. Do you want me to drive faster? Do you want me to stop and get something to eat? We stop at the store and pick something up to cook later? Or we can get something now, like we, we probably shouldn't spend the money, but we can if you're that hungry. And see, none of those questions helped the situation. Um, it generally just led to other feelings that weren't originally there, but I then created frustration. And see, it, it took me a lot longer to figure that out than I'd, I'd care to admit to you right now. Maybe multiple times of her telling me that I didn't need to do that, that I shouldn't do that, <laughs> that it did not help in the least. 
See, learning to, to, to listen and then maybe not try to fix something, but, but maybe sometimes it's, it's something out of our control. Hunger is something I can fix, but sometimes other things go on in our lives that, that I can't fix. And so learning to listen, not beat myself up for not being able to fix it, and then remembering, oh yeah, we have a God that can fix anything. He wants to fix everything that we go through. Because see, as much as, as much as we're called to be in this relationship and be the, be the helper for our spouse, we aren't their God. Remember, we have a third piece in that marriage, and that's God. It's not us. We shouldn't feel like we need to fix everything. We shouldn't feel like we're God. We shouldn't think they expect us to be God. We shouldn't expect our spouses to be God. See, in Proverbs 3, verse 5, it says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And then the classic Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Not our spouse, because if that was true for me, if I could only do things through her who gives me strength, we would do nothing. She is much weaker than even I look. And you're like, wow, you look pretty weak, so I don't know. <laughs> but see, we can't fix everything. She can't fix everything for me. I can't fix everything for her. But like I said, we know a God who can and who wants to. And the sooner we can figure that out, the sooner we can remember, oh yeah, it's not, it's not on me. Let's, let's go to God. Let's see what, what he can do for us. A lot of that stress will go away. The fourth thing I've learned is to apologize quickly. Even if you're not in the wrong, but you probably are a lot of the times. <laughs> just apologize quickly. Just do it. Just get it over with. Just, just like, I say quickly, and you're like, how quickly is that? Is it only a couple hours? Like, can I stew in it for a minute? Like, I'd really like to, I'd really like to stew in it. Like, honestly, he goes to the other room whenever we get mad at each other, and that's like some peace of quiet. So can we stew in it for a little bit? But see, in 2 Timothy 2, 23, it says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. Just don't do it. Anti-Nike, just don't do it. Don't let your spouse storm off. Don't, don't let them go in the other room. Don't wait for them to come apologize first. And see, if, if, we, if both spouses are in the room and we both listen to this, imagine how quickly that apology is gonna go if we both don't let the other one storm off, and we both apologize quickly. Amen. It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter that, that he said that thing that you told him not to say one more time or he was going to get it. It doesn't matter that, that she says you were the one being rude and childish and wasting time in a store, and then you get mad at her because she was making a scene and having people look at you in the parking lot of Five Below on 71st Street on Friday night. Like, it doesn't matter who was childish and trying on the ladies' pointy sunglasses and who 
wanted to go home. It doesn't matter at the end of the day because that's stupid. It's dumb. It's a stupid argument, and we're told not, just don't do it. See, Ephesians 4.26 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And now you say, wow, that's pretty good. But here, I'll give you a little, like, hack with it. Um, don't tell Pastor Darian. Uh, during the summer, thanks to some dumb guy in the past, we have daylight savings time. So the sun sets an hour later. So if you want to get mad, I encourage the summer because you can wait an hour longer before you have to, before the sun goes down. And, and I was so kindly told by a lovely young woman after, after first service, she, I don't know, she's, she lived in Alaska at least for some point, and she was like, you know, the sun never goes down in the summer there, so you can stay mad all the time. And then her friend was like, yeah, but the sun never comes out in the winter, so you can never be mad then. So you gotta win some, you lose some, but here's some tips. A little bonus scripture before we move on to the next one is in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, says, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. We can all be a little childish, right? We can all be sometimes a lot childish, like when your spouse wants to leave five below and you're like, let me try on this Ant-Man mask and let me try on these sunglasses. <laughs> and what about this crying baby mask for Halloween? Like, what if I put that on? She encouraged that one, she took a picture. <laughs> See, if we're, if we're married, you're not a child. And if you are married and a child, talk to me immediately after service so we can figure some things out because once we're married, we should not be children any longer. And if that's the case, then we should put childish things behind us. We should put our selfish desires behind us. Now, the fifth thing I've learned is that there can be two right ways to do things. Now, full disclosure, this one came from my wife. She told me I could use it. And after she told me I could use it, a couple weeks went by, and then she goes, oh yeah, I wrote a post for Created to Help, and I used that thing about there can be two right ways to do things, so I don't know if you still wanna use it or not. And so this is my shameless plug for Created to Help. There's an Instagram page, it is at, at Created to Help. If you enjoy using a web browser for Instagram, like some kind of maniac, it is instagram.com slash Created to Help. And if you would like to sign up to go, and see that beautiful bald man that we saw earlier, that is yourplacechurch.com slash created to help on September 28th. Moving on, all right, so. There can be two right ways to do things. I see there's, there's, there's no better example to me. I was, I was trying to think of an example. I was like, when was there like two right ways to do things, right? Like there's one way to heaven, that's Jesus. Okay, so that's out, we can't, there's not two right ways there. Okay, so what's two, what's two right ways to do things? Got it. Got it. The Gospels. There's four Gospels, okay? So the point's two right ways to do things, but four right ways in the sense of the Gospels. So there's four Gospels. And if you don't know the Gospels, tell the story of Jesus when he came, the, the miracles that he did, the works that he did, and then how he sacrificed his life so, the, so that we could spend eternity with him. 
And there's four different versions of the Gospels telling the same story. And there's not one better than the other. You might like one better than the other. You might like Luke because maybe you're kind of nerdy and you like that Luke's a doctor and he had these like weird details like that Jesus was like sweating blood and all the other disciples were like, yeah, let's just like skip over that detail. That's kind of good. We're good on that one. And maybe like John because you're an emotional young person and, and you like lovey-dovey things and, and, and you, you want to, to feel the emotion or you're conceited like John. You're like oh, the disciple whom Jesus loved and that's how you like how he refers to himself there. Maybe you like being first. So you like Matthew. You're like, well, they put him first. So I should probably read him first. There's a reason, right? There's a reason they, they put him first. And then honestly, if you like Mark the best, I don't know why. Um, I don't have a reason. Uh, he's second. He's first place loser behind Matthew. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So there's Mark. I'm sure there's something in there. See, for, for me personally, and, and maybe, maybe some people in the room can relate, hopefully, that this looks like anything that I clean. Anything. You might be like, nah, come on, there's got to be something you clean right. There's not. There's not a single thing that I clean correctly. I thought I could do the dishes. I thought, I was like, that's pretty simple. Like, it's soap, and then there's hot water, and then you clean it, and it doesn't look dirty anymore, and you're good. Right? You like load it in the dishwasher and then you start it and then you're good. But um, I got ever so kindly told that um, I loaded the dishwasher differently. And um, what she originally said was that I loaded it wrong. But then she, she is the loving, perfect spouse she is, is like, okay, that's mean. He doesn't do it wrong, he does it differently. And that's when she had this brilliant idea, I assume, of of there could be two right ways to do things, right? Like I grew up one way folding towels a certain way, right? It was, it was, this was how I fold towels. And then I got married. That's not how I fold towels. It is incorrect. It is the wrong way to fold towels. It is a completely different way. And I'm not gonna tell you how many months it took me to understand how these towels were folded. It didn't make sense, but now I fold them that way. And just the other night we were, we were folding laundry and I was, I was folding the towels, and she just starts laughing. I was like, okay, I mean, I'm pretty funny, but I mean, I'm just folding towels. Like, I'm not actively being funny right now. And she couldn't believe that I was folding them in such a manner that you could see the seams. I was like, of course you can see the seams. And she was like, you're not supposed to see the seams. I was like, it's a towel. What do you mean you're not supposed to see the, see the seams? It goes in a cabinet over our bathroom in the place that we don't invite anybody over. Like, who's going through our cabinet to be like, oh, they, I see their seams. Mm -mm. I don't know if I could trust these people. We can see the seams. But see, there could be two right ways to do things. Because she doesn't say, she doesn't belittle me and tell me how bad I am and all that. She laughs, and then we move on, and I still do it wrong. And so we just keep going through this cycle, right? She tells me, like, how I, how I load the dishwasher. It's so cute how I don't get enough things in there. Sorry, I want them clean. But see, the important thing about this point is doing something. Is we, we, there can't be two right ways to do things if only 
one person's doing things. And also on the flip side of that, when, when that person is doing things and it's not quite the way you would like them to do, you still thank them. She still thanks me for folding the towels because it's towels she didn't have to fold. She still thanks me for doing the dishes even though it stresses her out if she watches me do it because I do it wrong. She still thanks me when I do it because she is appreciative of me doing it. It's not that it's wrong. It's just not the way she would do it. And so there can be two right ways to do things. Now, the sixth thing I've learned is that it doesn't have to be so hard. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be so hard. Well, walk with me down memory lane for a minute. Let me paint you a picture. Okay, this is a long time ago. It's uh, about 12, yeah, about, probably about 12 months ago. And um, I was about to get married. Okay, 12 months ago, I was about to get married. And leading up to that, we had been engaged for, for a few months. And I'd hear these people say, oh man, it's a lot of work. It's gonna be a lot of work. Hope you're ready to work. Oh, enjoy your free time now, because it's gonna be work. You're gonna be busy. You're not gonna be able to do that thing anymore. You like to do this, but not gonna be able to do that anymore. It's not gonna happen. It's work. It's a lot of work. It's only how much you put into it. It's work. And I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> like, why are you that unhappy? Like, come on. Our culture tells us maybe, especially people, people my age, that marriage just isn't even how things are done anymore. I heard a guy the other day say that, that at this point, it's almost counterculture to be married. They used to, marriage was the norm. And then now the norm is the opposite. Just moving in, living with someone. Okay, well, they made me mad because they did this thing. So now I'm gonna move out. Then we find another one. Then we find another one and we just move on. The marriage is signing our death wish. Goodbye, freedom. <laughs> Goodbye, staying up till 2 a.m. playing video games. Goodbye, girls night. Goodbye, fill in the blank. But man, marriage is great. People ask me how married life is all the time. It's like the like baseline question for me, right? They know I got married 11 months ago and they're like, how's married life? And if you ask me that, I love when you ask me. It's not, this is not you. Um, I just kind of hope it, does that go away after like 12 months? Maybe when I hit a full year, they're like, oh, they made it a year. Like we can quit asking about married life. This is probably fine. But I love being married. It's great. Mariah is my best friend. She's who I want to tell when something happens in my life, something good, something bad. She's who I want to send basketball highlight videos to all 12 months a year. She's who I want to go see the new Fast and Furious movie with. And then I remember how loving and caring I am. And I go see it on a night that she's busy. And then I just talk about it incessantly for two days about how great The Rock is and how funny the movie was. But she 
is who I want to spend my time with. She's who I want to see when I get home. She's who I want to see when I wake up. She is who I want to spend my weekends with. And I know there's, there's probably some of you that are like, ah, just you wait, bud. Just you wait. 11 months. <laughs> get a couple years under your belt. Yeah, you'll, you'll know. Maybe you have a kid. See how much you like it then. Maybe there's something different instead of, instead of pointing at me and saying that I'm the naive one, that I'm the one in the honeymoon phase that doesn't know any better. I haven't quite been uppercutted in the gut yet to know how hard I have it. Slight tangent, a few years ago, we were probably a couple years ago, we were at, at JL's, we'd eaten with my parents. Of course, as a gentlemanly son, I let them pay. And so we were going to the car and I uh, we went to the car when, when we're not in a, in a mad dash or it's not like pouring rain or something like that. I, I try to do my best to open Mariah's door for her and let her in the car. And I'm just bragging how good I am. And so I try to let her in the car and I'm not really sure why that was like something like nice older people did. And I was like, that seems cool. And so I do it. And I was letting her in the car and some guy, hopefully it's none of you, but I'll stand by it. And so some guy across the jail's parking lot was like, not married yet, huh? It's like, turned to him and was like, no. He goes, yeah, I could tell. That'll change once you get married. Got a little heated. In my Bedford blood, there's some heat that flows through sometimes, and um, it came up. You know, I was barbecued up, I was ready. And instead of, instead of yelling anything too, too upsetting, I just turned and, and yelled something about, yeah, well, we've been dating for three years, so probably not. Then I got in the car, I was pretty mad. Because I was like, who's this guy? This guy's you hate your wife. I mean, I'm like, I hate mine. Like, like no, I'm not going to quit doing this. Like, what? Oh, yeah. I wanted to open her door because I really wanted to get to the point where I spent multiple thousands of dollars on a piece of jewelry. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I, that's what I was trying to get. That guy was right. That was all I wanted to do. I wanted to spend the money on the honeymoon. I wanted to have two expenses. I wanted to, to, to do all that. That's what I was waiting for. And, and now she can open her own door. See, I could, I could stand here and tell you that, that this is what marriage is supposed to be. And I'm going to do that because I have the microphone. See, this is the phase that God designed us to experience in marriage. This phase. The honeymoon phase. The naive phase. Because God gave us our spouse. Remember, we entered into that covenant created by God. This isn't created by a judge at the courthouse. This is created by God. And so I want you to remember back to when you first got married or back to when you first started dating your spouse. 
And maybe it wasn't exactly how you had dreamed it since you were a little kid, but you didn't care. You'd found the one. You were in love. It didn't matter. Where's money going to come from? I don't know. Where are we going to live? I don't know that either. You're too young. You're too old to get married. All these things. And we didn't care. We were in love. We wanted to be with that person. And nothing was going to stop us. I want us to remember back to that point. Because that's where we all start. That's where I am 11 months in. As I'm in that phase. And now hopefully there's a lot of you in the room that, that are in that phase. Hopefully you're still there 10, 20, 50 years down the road and you're more in love with your spouse than you ever were before. But if you're not there, take a minute and remember when you were. Just take a minute. Just remember back to the beginning. I used to smile at them like nothing in the world mattered. You used to open the door for them. You used to make them their lunch so they could take it to work. You used to do the dishes some. You used to fold the laundry. You used to help. You used to pick up your stuff. Remember back to that time. And remember that God gave us a helper, like we read earlier in Genesis 2, and Jesus even quoted it in Mark. Mark's redemption. Here he is. He's closing the message. That's what he's good for. Mark 10, verse 6, it says, But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. Not you, not your spouse, not your friends, not culture, not your boss, not your co-workers, not your hobbies. Let no one separate. See, what I've, I've learned in my first 11 months, my, some of you might not seem like much. To some of you, they may all be new ideas. But I believe what God wanted to do in this place today is to remind us what marriage used to be like, to remind us of what marriage should be like. See, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect by a long shot. I, after I, I wrote this, then and my wife had read it and she said, you know, it's kind of funny that your first point is pick up your stuff and uh, you had three pairs of shoes under the coffee table today. I was like, you know, that is pretty funny, actually. So see, I'm not, I have I'm nowhere near figuring this thing out. But I believe what God wanted to do today was just remind us, remind us to think about what marriage should be and how God created it for us to experience. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for these words today, God, that, that you spoke directly to us. God, I thank you in this moment as we sit here. 
as we're still, as we are thinking of you and of our marriage, God, that, that you reveal to us where we can grow, where we can improve. Even if it's a, a little thing, God, show that to us. God, because when, when both parties in a marriage work together, God, they can stay in this honeymoon phase forever, just how you designed it. God, so that as we sit here, just show us. Show us where we can grow and where we can help get our marriage to where you want it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.